I don't think we are. Okay. I think we are live. So uh, welcome, everyone, to Unsafe Space. I'm your co-host, Carter Laren, for this show. I'm joined with, joined by, Carrie yes. Smith. Carrie, say hi. Hi, guys. Carrie and I are going to try a thing where every Thursday at this time, 11 uh, Pacific, 11 a.m. Pacific, we're going to host a show called Deprogrammed. And Carrie, you're kind of the star of the show, I think. Um, so, well, let's hmm? say SJW ideology is the star. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't want to be the star? I can be the star. All right. Um, well, what we're going to do in the show is every week, well, I think you, you used a phrase on Twitter that I liked, which was we're going to untangle SJW ideology uh, one episode at a time. And that's the goal of the show. Carrie, as uh, some of you may know, uh, some of you may not know, is a former, very articulate SJW. Mm -hmm. And recently, uh, do we, should we say you were deprogrammed? I don't know. Let's say yeah. I'm in, still in the process of being deprogrammed. Yes, I was deprogrammed. You're, um, still, you're still in the process of being deprogrammed. Okay. Yeah, and I think untangling what the ideology is is part of that. Absolutely. Trying, trying to figure out what parts of it are still useful for me and what parts of it I still believe in versus, um, you know, the stuff that, that I think was just kind of force fed as you must accept this as part of, as part of the belief system. Right. Right. And there's a lot of times there's, uh, just understanding why you believe things is important. I mean, I remember, um, I've gone through major philosophic changes in my life and, um, you know, it's always helpful to be able to figure out like, gee, why do I think this? And really get down to the reason why you believe something. So, um, right. And yeah. I didn't do that all the time. <laughs> no. Wait. Didn't they didn't teach you to critically think in school at university? Critical theory didn't teach me to critically think. Oh, <laughs> I see. They were just critical of theory. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I I see. Um. So one of the things that Carrie has done is she started to provide some. Uh, shall we say, uh, manifestos, diatribes, uh, embarrassing, rants embarrassing rants <laughs> and anecdotes from her earlier years as an SJW. And, uh, in honor of Elizabeth Warren, I think we're going to talk about racism, um, uh, and maybe some other terms today, but at least we'll start with racism. Maybe we'll get to sexism and some other stuff as well. Um, and, and we really want to talk about why, or more, not maybe why, but also uh, language deconstruction generally, how SJWs, in order to uh, accomplish their goals, and we'll talk about what those might be and how this does this, uh, they'll go about uh, deconstructing language and trying to redefine terms. And the term racism is, uh, is one of the more, I think, straightforward ones to take a look at, frankly, even though it's, uh, shall we say, a little bit uh, charged mm -hmm. uh, of a topic for two white people to be talking about uh, in 2018. Oh, I actually, I don't want to assume you may be Cherokee. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry. I don't wanna... I'm actually, I think I'm more percent Neanderthal than, uh, than Elizabeth Warren is Native American. So yeah, I would, that's real though, right? The Europeans yeah. actually did uh, intermingle, shall we say, with the Neanderthals and uh, we have Neanderthal DNA. Yes. Any, anyone with European blood. So, uh, 
So I guess when when the uh, Antifa people call me a knuckle dragger online, it's because totally it's like it's accurate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I before we kind of start, there's one just thing I, I want to talk about, and I want um, Carrie, if your thoughts on this. I think for a lot of people talking about kind of the definition of a word and language is kind of a boring thing that doesn't really relate to like who the hell cares. And it's kind of like this wonkish thing to talk about, but um, language really matters. And uh, in, in my opinion, one of the reasons language matters is uh, really in order to think conceptually, you have to have concepts and, and languages are basically uh, words are basically uh tags uh, that encapsulate a concept. And if you don't have the right words, if you're not allowed to, to use the right words, then you're not really allowed to use the right concepts. And therefore, your entire uh, thought process is corrupted because you're not really using, you're not allowed to use concepts uh, the way that you would otherwise, and which is why they're trying to kind of redefine words. And this is something uh, George Orwell obviously knew when he wrote 1984 and talked about, you know, Newspeak was was a way to control language specifically for the purpose of controlling thought. Um, mm. Carrie, do you have anything to add about like why why language matters and why why do we give a shit about what the SJWs define racism as? Sure. Well, I think it. I think what you're saying is exactly what concerns me about it because um, they attempt to control the language so they can control how the parameters of your thought. And so when I started leaving the SJW ideology, I remember I compared it to, um, you know, freeing my mind from a cage that I, I hadn't even realized I had caged it. Um, but they really do kind of, they block you in like the walls of what you're allowed to think about and you, the acceptable opinions you're allowed to, to, to hold or even to toy with or think of, you know, they make it, they really reduce it. Um, and, and they do that by controlling the definition of a lot of different terms. Um, they get to redefine the, the terms of debate when they do that. Because if you, if you, let's say you and I are having a discussion about racism and then they're saying, no, racism is not what you're saying it is. It's this other thing. Well, unless we agree on each other's terms, we're not going to be able to get very far. And so that's a way to shut down debate immediately. Um, but it also does something more insidious. I think it's, it's that, um, you know, a lot of people who believe in the SJW ideology, I think have really good intentions. I do. I know that a lot of people may disagree with me, but um, but I think there were maybe two groups of people that are in it, roughly, if you want to kind of generalize. And one of those groups of people are in it because they really do oppose racism and sexism, and they really do want to make a difference, and they have um, good intentions. But what I th I think that they're they're missing is that the ideology doesn't have those same intentions. The ideology itself is racist and sexist and um, and the tenets that they're being asked to believe and go and preach and convince other people of uh, are racist and tenant uh, racist, sorry, racist and sexist tenets. So for example, they say it's impossible for me to be sexist towards a man because I'm a woman and because they view the world through this lens of power and everyone's either you're in all these different groups of oppressed or oppressor. Um, so because I'm a woman, I'm oppressed by men, I don't have any societal power, therefore it's impossible for me to be sexist towards men. Well, what, what could possibly be some negative outcomes of that? 
you know, it's like I could treat a man however I want, apparently, and it's not sexist. Just because he's a man, I can do whatever I want to him. And it's like that, but the, but hey, at least it wasn't sexist. Um, so I think they kind of they set up this world where right. where it's possible to um, to actually be engaging in racist and sexist behavior in the name of fighting those things, and that's really scary to me because you have foot soldiers who are out there pushing racist and sexist ideas who think they're doing the opposite. Yeah. Am I going on too much of a rant? <laughs> no, uh, you broke up for me a little bit. I don't know if you okay. broke up for everyone else. So I was wanting to make sure you- a little bit on this end, yeah. Okay. Well, so let's, let's dive into the fun topic of racism then. Um, so I guess we could start with um, kind of what, the traditional definitions of racism might be um and or you know what most people think racism is um and okay, we can so, go to sorry go ahead well i was going to say this this thing i told you about ahead of time i i was looking up the definitions of racism a while back and i found that they changed it uh on Miriam webster changed it like right before the 2016 election they added a third example a third definition of racism quietly they added this in some time in october of 2016 um and it seems to be that it's not exactly the prejudice plus power definition that sjw's talk about but it seems to be more in line with that um uh with that belief so i don't know if you have that on your screen if we want to talk about can, that yeah i can pull it up um so you know traditionally i think people think of racism as like now, thinking that a certain race is inferior, like the belief that a certain race is inferior in some, you know, important and intrinsic way because of their race, right? I mean, that's just a layman's definition. That's not a, from a dictionary. But that's kind of how we think about it. The word prejudice and, and discrimination are, um, capture that. So um, the new, the definition in Merriam-Webster now is... So the first one is kind of in line with what I just said. It says, uh, a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Um, what I think is missing from that one is I think that's not, I don't think that's right. I think it's that racial differences produce an inherent inferiority of a particular race. That's racism. Superiority would be supremacy, like yeah. racial supremacy, not racism, racism, which is a little bit different. But okay, so... But now they have this new one, which I think what you're talking about, which is has two parts to it. So the definition of racism is a doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism, execute its principles, or a political or social system founded on racism. Uh, <laughs> this one's funny to me because it's completely circular. Racism <laughs> is a system based on racism. Like, oh, okay. You realize you just said absolutely nothing, right? Dictionary. Uh, racism is racism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a really stupid definition. Um, and if I were Marion Webster, I would be embarrassed. You know, regardless of ideology, I would be embarrassed at the construction of this definition. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know, you know, maybe they're hiring people with bad ideology, but they're also just hiring people with bad like Who should not be under, working a bad understanding of dictionaries and definitions. <laughs> yeah, so I think that that's their attempt. That's their um, 
they're they're kind of we not I wouldn't say Weasley, but that's their their milk toast or lukewarm attempt to um to to change it to the prejudice plus power definition. And so and, well, and I mean, for, maybe we should just define that for people who don't know. So SJWs believe that racism is not what what we commonly think of as racism, which is believing that someone's race makes them inferior and therefore you, you should treat them differently or that their someone's race makes them superior and therefore treat them differently. Um, they say that it's that belief, but you have to also have power. And when they're talking about power, they're not talking about your individual power, like your individual ability to inflict force on someone. They're talking about what groups you belong to. So, um, so they say racism equals prejudice plus power, and they mean that societal power, power group power based on what groups you're in. And they say the same thing for sexism, that sexism is not me thinking that your sex makes you inferior and me treating you differently because of it. Uh, sexism requires me to have that belief that you're inferior and then also to have societal power to inflict um, to inflict that prejudice. So I have a few problems with that. I was wondering if I could just talk about the, the kind of clear problems with that that I don't see them ever addressing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so one is that power is not static. I mean, you can't yep. say I'm, I'm not, I don't have any power because I'm a woman you know, I used to be a co-owner of my own company. I could decide not to work with men. I think I did decide not to work with men. Sometimes, you know, you could decide, yeah, I can make those decisions. I had power in my life. And to say that I didn't is to rob me of agency. Um, to say that I didn't have the power to inflict any prejudice that I might hold towards men because I'm a woman is absurd. Uh, you know, right. does Hillary Clinton, let's take a powerful woman. Does Hillary Clinton have the power like if she happened to be sexist towards men, does she not have the power to inflict that on men in her life? Of course she does. So power is not some static thing of like, I don't have any, uh, or, or, or some ranking of where, you know, I have some in this area, but I don't have any in this other area. Right. Um, you know, I have it when it comes to, to race, but not when it comes to sex. And, and that's simply not true. Inter um, incidentally, by the way, just because you mentioned Hillary, you know that recently she just said, uh, it wasn't abuse an abuse of power for Bill to have a sexual relationship with his intern in the White House. <laughs> that's so, incredible. Like, it's like, what is a power then? If that's yeah. not, I don't know. That's yeah. not an abuse of power. That even, actually, that, I think, I would be surprised if that didn't piss off some SJWs because that that falls in line with their definition. He, it, They don't care that, that he's the president and that doesn't define if he has power or not. They just care that he's a man. And he's white. Right. So he he's is a man. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, theoretically, yes, we don't know. Oh, I don't know them. I don't know. Don't assume gender. his gender. Oh, right. Is my okay. Point. Or his race. He could be Native American. Right. He, he um, might be. He might be Pocahontas <laughs> himself. Right. Um, so, so that so the power thing is one one thing that I think is just pretty silly about that definition. Um, and the other thing is this: they when I ask them, well, so why why do you feel a need to redefine racism and sexism in this way? And they say, well, because we're, their their reasoning is that, or their attempted reasoning is that we're talking about structural or institutionalized sexism and racism, and so the definition needs to include the definition of sexism needs to encapsulate that the fact that you have societal power, you have institutional power, and I'm like. But no, it doesn't, because we already have that phrase, institutionalized racism and sexism. We already have the right. phrase, you know, you can get very specific the more words that you use. You're taking a broad word and you're yeah. trying to say, no, it's only this very narrow thing. Um, 
and leaving us without a word for what, what racism actually is. So then they say, well, that's just prejudice. That's just racial prejudice or that's just, that's just sex-based prejudice. And that, and, and that is also kind of silly to me because I feel like they don't have an answer for um, at what point it's okay, at what measurable end goal in the future is it okay for us to, to stop being cool with racial and sexual prejudice as long as people don't have societal right. power? Like it's cool. You can be, you can be prejudiced all you want as long as you don't have power because you're not really racist or sexist. Do whatever you want. Well, hey, at what point is that not okay? And then how do we teach our, the generations of kids that we've raised to think that's not sexism? Go ahead and do it. Or that's not racism. Go ahead and do it. How do we, how do we then tell them, hey, no, it's not cool to be, it's not cool to be racially prejudiced anymore towards this one particular group or to be, you know, prejudiced towards this one particular sex? Like, how do you put the brakes on that? So, that's yeah. my practical reason with why I think it's absurd. If you're saying it is literally impossible to be racist towards one particular race, you can't you you can't extrapolate forward and see any possible re negative repercussions of that in the future. Um, you're, you're basically saying it's okay. You're, it's okay. You're justifying it for this group, and I just think that's that's absurd. But I believed it. You know, these writings that I sent you, I used to preach this. I used to teach so, this. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were talking because Google froze again. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done. I just said I used to believe it and I used to preach it. And you you preached it well. I read I read some of your stuff. Mm -hmm. It was you were good. Um it's cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, you know, one thing that bothers me about the the prejudice plus plus power definition. It's not. I don't actually think it's something we talked about uh, yesterday when we talked about this because uh, it's something I thought about uh, since then. Um, my, if if I step back and think like, what's my goal in society? What's the what's the this is thing that I'm toward? How do I want humans to interact with each other? Maybe well past my death, but whatever. What's you know everyone's got kind of their idea of utopia or whatever, mm -hmm. and the the society that I'm trying to move towards, and I think. To a large extent, um, most people, even without thinking th of this, are, are trying to move this way. It's a society where people voluntarily interact as equals. There's not force between people, like you know, coercion. People aren't holding each other at gunpoint or forcing people to do things by law or voluntarily cooperating. Right. So we're working together because we want to, and as equals. And either one of us can step out of a relationship at any time, and that's. That's kind of the society that I view. And, and in that society, uh, power isn't thing. There's not, like, the definition of power, like, it's something that I, I never really get what the SJW definition of power is because power can mean a lot of different things. In an antic relationship, there's a power dynamic sometimes. Sometimes there's not. Maybe in that relationship. So, uh, you know, if if I'm talking to my doctor about uh, medical things, he kind of has power as an authority. But if I'm about cryptography, I kind of have power and authority there. And so, um, you know, my 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 goal is kind of this this uh, society where power isn't really the focus. Power is not a focus at all. We're just kind of voluntarily interacting with each other. 
But when you when you place power inside of a definition like racism, and it forces you to look for power everywhere, and it and it focuses you on power. And I think at the end of the day, one of the reasons that SJWs added power plus prejudice is they're very focused on power. The yeah. the social justice warriors are not the classical liberals of of yesteryear, where you know they just support graffiti and gay marriage and want everyone to get along and they they're against war which is all great right mm -hmm. they're not that anymore they are people who want to wield the power of the state to force you to behave in the ways that they want you to behave in and to either redistribute resources or or pun whatever it is to to uh beat society into the shape that they want it to be using force that and that's why they need to insert the word power into their definitions mm -hmm. because they want power and they they need to see power everywhere so they can go power. that's what they want yeah so you're just we're having technical difficulties for sure it might be on my end but i i heard everything you said you it would just slow down for a minute and then it would catch up um but uh but they do i think we talked about this Fair. the first time you and i did a this podcast the SJWs, when someone passes away, they don't say rest in peace. They say rest in power. And it, I used to say rest in power. And it wasn't until recently that I thought about that. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, it's not peace is not the center of their religion, because I do consider their ideology a religion of sorts. Peace is not their end goal. Peace is, has it, its power. Everything, every, it's all about power for them. And so I do believe, like I said, I believe there are a lot of people who subscribe to the ideology or maybe just various parts of it who have really good intent. Um, and then I think there's another group of people who know what it is and who, right. who are in it because they do nakedly deep down, they know they want power. They don't care about ending oppression. They just want to be the ones oppressing. Um, and those people, unfortunately, are the ones who are, are dictating where the movement is going. Uh, it tends to be, I think, the people with good intent who are, are left to uh, articulate these really terrible ideas and try and rationalize them to some degree to make them, uh, you know, to make them something that people would more easily swallow, I guess, or get on board with. And um, sure. I, I definitely felt like that's what I was doing, which was in retrospect, I thought I was just preaching the good word. <laughs> but in, in retrospect, I, I was selling something. I was selling racism and sexism. And I was I was finding ways to bend reality to sell it as something else. Um, so. You can separate Marxism from social justice because i feel like this is how marxists view the world also in terms of like the power like everything has to be done at fr from under the state um they're they're very they're very pro state and not really into people voluntarily doing anything on their own and i feel like all uh, most of the sgws actually are marxists anyways it is do you think that can be separated from marxism or no I don't think so. I just, I think a lot of them don't know what Marxism is, honestly. And I don't think they realize that what they're preaching is a form of Marxism. So if you start using those terms, it's become so mainstream now 
that if you start using those terms, people who've learned about these tenets of belief, they, they, don't, they don't realize they're learning a form of Marxism. They're being told this is liberalism, and they're being told that this is how you oppose, this is anti-racism, and this is feminism. They're being told this is feminism. Um, and so, I, so I, I, don't, I don't think you can separate it from Marxism, but I think, unfortunately, a lot of the people who are espousing it um, don't have, they, I don't think they have, I didn't anyway have the historical context to know the similarities. And, and it wasn't until later when I started pulling it apart that I realized, oh, this isn't, this isn't just some, this thing that, you know, people came up with, well-intentioned people came up with to, to explain the world to uh, ignorant hillbillies who, you know, can't understand their own Im implicit bias and why they're, you know, I mean, I used to be, if you saw in this paper, I used to be one of those people who would say, you know, if somebody's like, but what about a homeless white guy, you know, he where's his privilege and they're like well it's better than being a homeless black guy or you know there's always some they they where they just kind right. of tweak it a bit and it's like really is that important is that is that worth differentiating between if there's a difference there between the plight of those two people like um right. what it really does yeah. is well of course the homeless black guy who's missing a leg is even worse yeah yeah then you just start going into this so yeah, Oppression Olympics, of course. But so what yeah. it does though, is it benefits the people at the top. So the elite, the people I call the professional SJWs, um, they go to the, you know, the people that go to elite colleges who are like at Yale, yelling about their oppression. And it's like, you're in the top 1% of people on this planet. What are you so oppressed? Why, why do you think you're They're so- They're in the top 1% they, of people in the country. Yeah, but they but they believe that they're <laughs> that they're legitimately being held back in some way, and I and I um, I couldn't really understand that once I started seeing it. But then it uh, I heard um, uh, it was a Jordan Peterson lecture. He was talking about um, George Orwell and and kind of an epiphany he had about about uh, socialists at the time, like elite socialists, and and how it wasn't so much that they cared about the poor it was that they really hated the rich and in that in that epiphany i was like oh yeah i can see that within sjwism it's not that these elite professional sjws really care about the oppressed masses they just want to get that next gig you know based on those boxes they check off um it's more about establishing power for themselves and taking what they can take and i i truly those are the ones i don't think are in it for the right reasons um and i would i would also say that maybe there's something maybe once you start getting paid to do it it's maybe harder to stay in it for the right reasons because now your paycheck is attached to preaching it you know absolutely yeah um and you know <laughs> One thing out that was also kind of inherent in the definition, not in the, the actual definition, but in, you know, your explanation back when you were in SJW, uh, one thing that was kind of inherent in your explanation was um, this idea of white privilege. It was kind of a part and parcel to the definition of racism. Like uh, you, you talk to your friends about like, oh, well, how do we how do we get people to to not be racist? Well, the answer is they have to see their white privilege, white privilege, white privilege, white privilege. Um, and that will be that will be the answer. Um, and something that struck me, a couple of things struck me about that. One is, uh, it really plays on white guilt. Um, because, uh, 
you go anywhere else in the country where there's a majority population of one particular ethnicity, China, Japan, right? Anywhere else. Um, you can't go in like, you know, I, I was in Japan for a while, uh, years ago and, uh, for about, you know, three years on and off, I went to Japan and a lot. And, um, you can't go to a Japanese and make them feel guilty about Japanese privilege. Like they're not, they would laugh at you, right? There's no, they're not going to cough up money or um, build uh, a new wing at their university to study Japanese privilege or, um, you know, have quotas for non-Japanese to make sure that they're not Japanese privileged happening. Uh, they just don't respond to it. They don't have Japanese guilt. Um, and similarly, the Chinese don't have Chinese guilt. And if you look at any of these countries with other ethnicities, um, in the majority, they don't respond to guilt in the same way that for some reason, and I don't, I'm not saying it's necessarily a race thing, it's probably a cultural thing, and I'm not, we can talk about why some other time, but for some reason, the culture, the, the, the white culture in the U.S. responds to white guilt really, really uh, resoundly. And so you were telling me even about a Facebook page the other day where like, you can just be like, give me money because you're white. Okay. There's this right? ridiculous like, that's a whole thing. It's right? a whole thing. I, I wouldn't have believed it except someone added me to it just because I wouldn't believe it. Um, it's called the white, uh, the white guilt trading posts. And you, there are literally people in there who are like, um, Hey, you know, pay my rent this month. And then they're and, and just like listing their PayPal's. And then other people who mostly white people are coming in and paying it. And they're, and they're even, they're even like this, some kind of fetish relationship in there. Cause there's one guy, one white guy they call piggy and they're like, pay us piggy. And then he like sends them all money, but I, we're getting off, <laughs> off subject. That was true, very true. disturbing to me. <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> like what is this relationship? Where's the power in this relationship? Um, right. 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 Well, but I guess getting back to what we were talking about, right? This idea of white privilege is something that is used to disarm uh, white people because it undercuts your ability to have a conversation as an equal, right? Mm -hmm. It's um, it's kind of like mansplaining. You can't have a conversation because if they don't like what you're saying, they'll just say you're mansplaining or you're white, and you so you have privilege, so you don't you can't understand, right? Um, and it really undermines the ability to have uh, civil and rational dialogue with other people. Um. And it also really, um, therefore, enables anyone who's not white to claim they basically have a sort of immunity, right? They can attack, they can attack whites with impunity and say like, it's because the underlying assumption is like, of course they're racist because they're white because they're part of the white privileged class, and if they're not on your side as an ally, giving you money when you ask for it, they must be racist. Well, and it's the same thing with sex. I mean, I actually, when I, whenever, whenever I'm in a discussion with a man who's an SJW, um, see, they don't, they, they're hypocrites, okay? I mean, I know hypocrisy is not limited to SJWs. We're all hypocrites, and I think part of the goal of life is to fight against being a hypocrite as best you can, but their ideology is, is hypocritical, and so they can't help but be hypocrites when they preach it and when they practice it. So if you look at the way they treat um, people of color or women or gay people who don't fall in line with the ideology, I mean, just look in the in the press this past week, they called Kanye West, um, 
things that you would never if, if it were on if it were someone saying that on the other side they would be livid um but they can't they it's almost like they can't see it because their rules don't apply when you don't agree with them so for example when i have disagreements with sjw's who are men and with women um any manner of sexism is okay towards me uh and and it's funny because i like to try and ask them but don't you believe you're supposed to check your male privilege like if it gets to a certain point in the conversation it's like but but isn't that one of your beliefs i don't believe that but shouldn't you shut up and listen to me yeah. uh because they're happy to say that does that work to shut them down or no um well if if i say it with sincerity sometimes they leave they have been known to leave after a while because it's like no again i'm not saying i want you to check your male privilege but but isn't that what you're you believe is to sit down and shut up and listen um but yeah, they, these things that they have, these are like their magic words. I view it as their magic words. So um, SJWs have a number of tactics that they engage in to avoid having an actual discussion, um, to avoid to avoid actually like going back and forth and having you know presenting an argument, listening to the other person, trying to make yourself more clear, trying to understand them more clearly. Um, they don't want to do that and they one of the ways they do that is they from the very beginning they start off by saying that you have an inherent power imbalance so that's what you're talking about if you're a man talking with me and we disagree the easiest thing for me to do to shut that conversation down right then is just to say you're a man you're privileged you don't know what you're talking about period right, stop me I right. yeah I don't have to even engage with your argument I don't even have to acknowledge your argument I can just say you're a man check your privilege so it right. and, and interestingly enough, um, this actually fits really well with uh, something that they've said explicitly. You and I actually were talking about this yesterday. Um, most people in relationships and most groups and ideologies, if you listen to what they're saying, they're usually telling you exactly how horrible they are. Like, you know, <laughs> I was talking just personally about your relationship where like I look back on it afterwards after we broke up and I was like, yeah, actually, she basically said how horrible she was right at the beginning. I just wasn't listening. Um, and if you look at uh, social justice, they basically say how horrible they are. Uh, they they act, and this ties in exactly with what you're saying. They explicitly say, "Well, logic and reason are like white institution, like they're racist ways of thinking. They're just like they're white, they're white dogma. That's just for white people, right? Non-white people don't have to be logical. It's you know, white people are imposing logic on us, right?" Yeah. Um, and it's a way to just like, okay, well, if that's the case, then uh, you're arguing for, you literally can't communicate or have any kind of dialogue. We can use the triggering word mob. Like if you've got a group of people who explicitly say to you, logic and reason are, are privileged and therefore um, irrelevant and they don't matter. And, and by the way, math is racist as well then you can't have a conversation. You are reduced to throwing punches because there's literally nothing else to do at that point. Yeah. Well, they do. They say it's a tool of the patriarchy, you know. Right, that's the phrase, thank you. Reason, and reason is just a tool that's used to oppress marginalized people or logic is a tool that's used to oppress marginalized people. But the goal there is, like you said, to make conversation impossible to make engagement and to make understanding one another impossible um and so i uh yeah it, you're reduced to just just to just uh fists well so let, let's touch on this for a second because that's something else i want to talk about we're talking about language and how they try to change the definitions of racism and sexism 
Um, but the other thing they're doing with language lately is they're trying to conflate violence with speech um, and vice versa. And mm -hmm. so you'll see, I've seen, the, okay, I saw a, a white SJW friend of mine who, who had a shirt that said, white silence is violence. Okay, white, you're so you're- Oh, silence. Asian silence is violence. I've seen those too, yeah. Asian silence is violence. Okay, so yeah, your was silence is violence. But then I've also seen signs that say your words are violence, which I think right. is hilarious because it's, <laughs> wait, so silence is violence, but words are violence, so what- Right, just uh, stop existing. That's <laughs> you, the, you don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense. Um, you're existing, it's violence. <laughs> yes, you're, you're just being here is violence. But they, I think the reason they're doing this is because they want to be able to, if speech is violence, then they can shut down speech they don't like or opinions and ideas they don't agree with um, simply by saying it's violent. And I've, you see this a lot on college campuses now where they say stuff, it's harmful, it's violent. Um, they right. use it to quote, deplatform people. Deplatform is just a fancy word for censoring people, um, but, they, but they use it to shut down speech. And then, and then the others, the opposite is true. If speech is violence, then they actually, they think it justifies actual physical violence when they don't agree with your opinion. Um, right. Because if the two things are equal, well then they view physical violence as just self-defense against your violent ideas, right? Um, right. So I, I think that that's another really dangerous thing that they're trying to do right now is to make, is to conflate those two things. Um, and 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 okay one last thing i know i'm talking but the mob no, thing no, can good. we talk about mob <laughs> mob is a dirty word now we're not allowed to say it you know mob 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 mob, mob. like see did you see the cnn anchor who said that we're not going to say the m word oh yeah no it's it's uh it's yeah I'm, it's, i wouldn't be surprised if twitter started banning the word mob yeah it's because it's it's actually well it's an effective thing because it's true they have been forming mobs um, they do it online. We're just starting to see it more often in real life now, like at that Evergreen College, uh, Middlebury, mm -hmm. like mostly at colleges, but now we're seeing it in response to the Kavanaugh thing. And um, so what they do is they make it impossible to talk about something because they make certain words off limits. So when I first started criticizing the ideology, I had a couple friends who told me I, I shouldn't say the word SJW because it was a pejorative. And I said, well, it didn't used to be a pejorative. We we used to call ourselves that and 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 i'm not using it as a pejorative it just because i'm criticizing the ideology i'm negative about the ideology and you're hearing it that way i could call it anything i could call it apple pie you would still say i was saying it like a pejorative um right. but they, but they basically are trying to take away your ability to even talk about this ideology so right. if you can't call it sjwism or whatever um i've also heard alt left you know control left regressive left um Authoritarian left. Authoritarian yep. left. Uh, I hope at some point we're going to come together on one term so that all these people are talking about the same thing with different words. Identitarian left is another that I've heard. Um, I don't well, we care what NPC was good, but now that's banned. NPC and if we come up with a term, it will be banned. That's the it will be banned. So you can't speak about it. You actually, right. you can't talk about something you're not allowed to even give a name to. Right. Uh, and they say, right. well, it's progressive. No, it's not progressive left. I know progressives who are actually anti-war and anti-violence and right. who are for peace. And just like classical liberals, I don't put them in with this group. They're not authoritarians. Right. So 
some people who call themselves progressives are actually regressive and are actually SJWs. But you know, I still consider myself a liberal. I'm not going to let them take that word away from me. And I don't think they should get to take the word progressive either. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's at the end of the day, I think the appropriate word, which is we're never, no one's really going to use that because it's too philosophical. But I think it's really just nihilist. I, I don't think that they, um, I don't think they believe anything that they're actually saying, at least the people at the top. Uh, maybe the people that are shouting it believe it in the moment, but they're not trying to th throw out principles that you should follow or uh, present an ideology that's consistent. Uh, they just want to tear down and destroy everything. And so whatever they can say, whatever magic words they can say to create uh, destruction, they will use. And if that's uh, violence is speech, then that's what they'll say. And if it's speech is violence, then that's what they'll say. If it's silence is violence, that's what they'll say. If it's, you know, it doesn't matter. They'll just say what they have to say to tear things down. Um, and that's nihilism at its core. Um, so I, I want to talk about, I, I want to I move on a little bit because we've talked about this a lot, but I think this other part is really important. I want to talk about how this is presented and why this appeals to people as a definition, because you got sucked into this and you were bought into this, right? Mm -hmm. And we can laugh at it after, outside the bubble. We can look at it and say, prejudice plus uh, power, that's stupid. And here's all the reasons why it's stupid and how destructive it is and what their goals are. But why is it appealing? And how the hell do you get your yourself caught up in this world where racism is power plus prejudice? Um, that's a good question. I think I think part of it is that people there are a lot of people who have good intent and um, and you know we have a really we have a really terrible past in this country. I mean um, we have well, a everywhere. Really, I don't don't pick on America. The don't entire pick on world America. Well every yeah, the entire world, I would say as as a the human race, uh, we're capable of you know evil on a great scale and we've certainly proved that um and so i think we've progressed to such a degree where people don't want to think that they're capable of those things um and they don't want to be capable of those things and i think this makes this is much easier than i think i think adopting an ideology like this and going out and preaching it to others is much easier than doing actual inner work or soul searching about like wow, what is my capacity to do harm? And this is something Peterson talks about a lot too, but it, it's, it's, I think it's really, uh, it's an avoidance of that. Um, it replaces other types of, it replaces other religion in a way. And it gives you this really easy dogmatic thing where you can just go out and say, you confess your sin, which is your privilege. Um, and you confess it often. Uh, you, you preach to others and you try to bring them into the fold. Uh, there is something there, like you said, that's about guilt, I guess. Um, but uh, I think it's appealing because for for a good reason, which is that people want to do good and they do want to fight racism and sexism. And so uh, if you have enough people telling you this and enough people articulating the, the reasons why, at least, you know, like I used to, like I said, try and rationalize it for people. Um, so... I think it's easy to to buy into it for that reason, and and you're being taught this at school. That's the other thing. You're being taught this by authorities. So I learned the definition in college. I was uh, uh, I worked for Amnesty International for a while, and I I did a, a dismantling racism weekend retreat workshop, and so that's where I learned the 
prejudice plus power definition for sexism and for racism. And, uh, but you know, but then it was also in my classes, it was in all my women's studies classes and critical theory classes. And uh, you, so, so part of it's that you're learning it from authority and you're learning it at a time when you may have just over, you may have just left your other beliefs behind. At least I had, I had just left behind the, the ideology I was raised in. And so, right. You're questioning at that moment yeah. in your life. So Malcolm on, on chat asked, and I think you just answered this. He said, do you, you guys think SJWism is super popular because it's so simple to understand? He's always thought that it's the regurgitation of simple principles of finding fault with everything ad nauseum. Um, you, I think you kind of just answered that sort of, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think it is. It makes, it reduces everything to black and white. I mean, it does get very complicated. That's why they don't want to answer questions or engage with you. Uh, it's it's really easy for them to just look at the world and divide it. Okay, oppressor, oppressed, oppressor, oppressed. Right. But when you start engaging with them and asking them questions, like that question about, well, hey, power isn't static, and what about this scenario? They don't want to talk with you, and that's why they use their magic words to shut you up. So if privilege doesn't work, then they'll go to, here's one of my favorites. <laughs> I would discuss with you, but your opinion is rooted in my oppression. <laughs> like, Wait, what? It, it doesn't, yeah, your opinion is rooted in my oppression is one of my favorites. Uh, oh. the, the other is I don't, it's emotional labor to talk to you. Like I don't, you're asking me to do free emotional labor. It's not my job to educate you, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's just, yeah, <laughs> yes. So, so stop having opinions and then I right. won't have, right. yeah. Um, so it, I think there's a, I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, offline yesterday, but I think um, there may also be, I mean, I agree with what you and Malcolm were saying about it. It is super easy, but um, I, I want to look at this a, a little bit psychologically as well, because, um, you know, I think I'm, so just for the record, because I'm going to, what I'm going to say may sound very pro-religion and I know you're Christian. I'm an atheist. So uh, this is not me uh, worshiping the church uh, by any means. However, um, I think, and I think what, what we had for, there's a psychological need in people to, um, uh, belong to groups, to, um, have kind of, uh, to feel that there's meaning in what they're doing beyond themselves, right. And to kind of follow guidelines and principles, like people like that. Um, and for most of humanity, I mean, it's more complex than that, but I'll, I'll be quick about it. Right. And for, for most of humanity, religion, um, served that function, Right, you had churches with uh, doctrine and authority figures telling you what to do, and you didn't really have to um, think too much about how to live your life because someone was telling you how to live your life. You got to belong and feel like you were part of a tribe. Obviously, before that, when we were uh, animals and and before agriculture, we were really were tribes, much more tribal. Um, and so uh, there's that kind of that need, and I think what happened was. Um, I don't want to just blame postmodernism, but it, but their philosophy generally, there was a lot of nihilism, right? Uh, Nietzsche is the classic example, but he certainly was by no means the only one. Um, they, they tore down religion, right? They poked a bunch of holes in religion and showed, here's how the house of religion can be dismissed, how belief is, right? But then they didn't replace it with anything at all, right? Yeah. They just left it there. There it is. Religion's down, we've torn it down, and uh, nothing left. And when you leave a vacuum there, 
it it leaves room for really vicious ideologies to pop up that are kind of simple and give people the, that feeling of like you can belong and hey you need something to fight so if you have SJWism and it's fighting an entire like society and culture we're going to fight basically the infrastructure that keeps us yeah. alive right now we're going to fight everything but here are some easy principles and some ways that you can feel that you belong and you can feel more morally superior in college late high school um everyone has often psychological trauma or some kind of uh you know we all have past so you have trauma in our past and uh and it's a way to instead of really process that and decide for yourself do the hard thing which is uh really decide for yourself what you believe and why and how you want to live your life um just to latch on to something that's kind of a i won't say it's a band-aid but it's kind of um a codependent re-traumatization all over again and you can kind of collectively all live out your trauma together by um getting angry at the word mob and npc memes on twitter that was a rant but that's... no i like it there's a lot there but i need I to get it out there's a lot that I agree with. No, it definitely, it gives them meaning. And um, and by the way, you outed me as a Christian. I'm a very new Christian. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm happy you did. You're I'm spiritual. I'm How's that? Well, yeah, I was spiritual for a while. I do consider myself a Christian now, though. And it's funny because I was at a women's Bible study last night, which I told you old me would, even me from a year and a half ago would die laughing that I was no, you're not going to Bible study, are you? But I really am enjoying it. And I, I told them I still have this imposter syndrome where I feel like they're going to kick me out any minute. <laughs> like, they're going to find out. <laughs> they're like, hey, you're not one of us. What are you doing here? Hey, um, there's a witch. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I, I do believe that it it gives them a, a meaning. It gives them something to fight. It gives them a bad guy. It makes It puts them in the position of good guy so that you can feel immediately secure that you're a good person and that you know, you never would have committed any of these atrocities in the past like other people did. Um, right. And so it, it, it definitely, I mean, that's why it, I think it is compared to a religion a lot of the time. Uh, but I think, so. I think one thing it's missing is, I think it's missing a concept of grace. It has a concept of privilege, um, but I don't see a lot of focus on inner work at all. I just see like going out and attacking other people and telling them why they're wrong and why they're sinners, you know? Um, right. And so it, it, it's actually, it's funny because I think in some ways I left SJWism for the same reasons I left what I can, my fundamentalist religion of my childhood, what I considered to be fundamentalist at the time. So the same is this intolerance and this uh, yeah. focusing more on other people than on fixing yourself. Um, but yeah, I think it does. I think it. I think it definitely gives people that sense of purpose and like a do-gooder, and that's why you see there's there's groups on there's all kinds of groups on social media. There's a big one on Facebook called, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? White White Nonsense Roundup. So these are white people who you can tag like, and they and they will come into your social media feed and they will yell at other white people and tell them why they're racist so that you don't have to do the emotional labor yourself. And no they, way. Yes, and, and it's a huge group. I have lots of friends who are in the group. It's uh, it's not just a small group. They've, they've been written up in mainstream press, you know, and it's like, they they look like, I hate to stereotype, they look like the typical SJWs, they, but 
but they're very, I'm sure they're very proud of themselves. They come in like the white knight and they're like, you are racist and you are racist wow. and you, and it makes you feel like you're doing something good. Okay, side point. I heard all these people during the Kavanaugh thing, and then we're going back to this again, just really briefly. They were like, why would a woman lie? Why would a woman make all this up? Okay, well, first of all, I don't know if she's lying. It may very well have happened. I don't, we'll never, I, we won't know. Um, right. We can never know, and we need to we all admit know. that. So I'm not calling her a liar. I don't know. But uh, of course there are reasons people lie. We are full of all kinds of reasons. Half the reasons, we don't even understand why we're doing what we're doing. So, you know, one reason is, uh, might be, you feel like you're uh, on a on a crusade. You're, look, you're putting, laying it all on the line to get this evil guy out of, you know, th th there's something there that's, th there's a big reason there for doing that. That's right. like, I am, uh, I am fighting for good. You know, I am a good person. I, and right. so I see myself as a warrior. Um, there and, and there are degradation. There are uh, uh, gradations of lying, right? Because mm -hmm. she might have had a trauma, and <laughs> and knew that Brett Kavanaugh was around at the time, and was like kind of uh, well, like convinced herself that it was Brett Kavanaugh because gee, that would allow her to be a crusader, and it might all just be psychological games. It may have actually happened. It might have been Brett mm -hmm. Kavanaugh. It might have been someone totally different. It might have not happened, but but we don't know. But the idea that. Um, why would a woman lie is like, um, it's like, uh, it's not giving women any agency. It's the same thing as like this idea that like, oh, it's, it's too emotionally traumatic for a black person to explain something to you. So we're going to have white people do it. It's like, what do you think of black people? You think that they're so fucking weak that they can't <laughs> handle explaining something to you without a big toll on their emotional psyche. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, I, and it's ridiculous to say that, like, oh, oh, why would a woman lie? Because she's human? Because humans lie for yeah. a whole variety of reasons? Women half, are human, too. Half of which we I don't just, understand. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird, right? Um, yeah. And, and of course, if if anyone ever said, if there was, like, if anyone ever said, well, why would a man lie in a similar situation? Like, <laughs> that wouldn't get no traction, right? <laughs> There'd be no traction there. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we're, and this is in the wake of a culture where women have been caught lying about rape over mm. and over again in the media, like big cases, not mm. that rape doesn't happen. It certainly does. And a lot of, a lot of women aren't lying about rape, probably most of them. Right. But you know, you've got mattress girl and you had the Duke lacrosse team and you had all these examples of okay. the media taking this at face value saying that this happened. Um, and it turns out she was lying and completely made it up. And you can make the same argument like, gee, why would Mattress Girl or the Duke Lacrosse woman like make that up? Eh. Attention, uh, her own psychology, who knows? It turns out the UVA girl made it up because she was trying to get some boy to go out with her. It was like oh, a crazy, yeah, it was a crazy thing. She made up all these people who didn't exist, but yeah. Um, didn't she go to jail for stabbing someone later? I think, or yeah. no, that was the, that was Duke girl. That oh, was Duke my, girl? that was oh. where I went to school. Ah, I see. <laughs> the badass Duke people. We have a lot to be proud of. Uh, no. So I, I did want to say what, I know we're running short on time, but I wanted to ask if we could cover this one thing quickly about like one of the, one of the negative things I think about this, this ideology and the way that they divide that define isms. Um, is that they force you? They force us to look at each other 
want you to look at a person and look at them as their sex or their race or their sexuality first and foremost, instead of looking at them as you know, trying to figure out who they are as a person, like their character, their opinions. Are you going to tell your story? Because I really want you to tell your story. Before oh, I will. I'm going to tell two quick stories. So one, okay, good. Uh, one of the groups I'm in on Facebook is a group that I would, I would just convince Trump voters why they're wrong. Um, I mean, that's how I would describe it in a nutshell. And I think there's a couple things wrong with that because, it, well, one being that you're coming from a place of superiority already because you're saying we're right and we're going to use civility for this end, you know. But but anyway, they have done some yep. great things, I think, in, in teaching civility. Um, but in the group, it's kind of been infiltrated by SJWs. And one of the women who founded it ended up going to one of these retreats where white women pay to go and have a black person yell at them and tell them how racist they are over the weekend. And that's not an exaggeration. Like she ended up writing up you know, several paragraphs about what happened at that retreat. And it was not, it was nothing short of like verbal abuse. I mean, this woman was just uh, berating. There's got to be a fetish in there somewhere, but. Yeah. I mean, she was saying stuff like, well, she asked her like, uh, how many uh, uh, black people do you have on staff? And she's like, well, we don't have money for a staff. It's all volunteers, but you know, one of our officers is black and she's like, oh, so you're using unpaid black labor? That's slave labor. She's like, look, nobody's nobody's paid. And she's like, no. And you know, just shaming her for that. What it just it didn't make any sense. But um, so she ended up writing about it and kind of I don't think it shook her views that much, uh, but it did it shook them a little bit. She was kind of saying, Well, maybe there is some something here about because I disagree with a lot of people in the group quite a bit. She's like, maybe there is something here about social justice going a bit too far where it's toxic or whatever. Um, and so we were kind of talking about it. And then at one point she, or one of the other women said something like, but I just don't understand. Like, I just, I just don't have any, I keep trying to make good friendships with women of color. And I just, I can't find any women of color want to be my friend. I was like, wow. Like, I think the problem is that you're looking to make good friendships with women of color. Like that you're, that's what you're seeing when you see them. You're not, I mean, that's disingenuous. It's like people smell that, you know, like, Oh, there's a woman of color. Let me make her my friend. Um, and and the same woman said something about how like this woman, this black woman, had just moved to her neighborhood, and she hadn't really got to know her because she couldn't ask her any of the questions that she would ask a white woman, like "Where are you from?" because that's racist. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like if she maybe she, you ask her where she's from, she's from Ohio, and then you have an Ohio connection, and now you get to know this woman, but you're you're preventing yourself from even the opportunity of getting to know her because you're so afraid. She's a black woman, what if I say the wrong thing? Like, that that's what this ideology does to people. It turns them into these little, it puts like this little SJW in their head, this critic that's um, in the interest of not being racist, it makes them a total racist. I'm like, you're treating that black woman who just moved to your town differently than you would treat the white women. <laughs> like, yeah. doesn't that, Yeah, it's racist. It's She's racist. racist. Yeah. So uh, that that story just blows my mind. And it, it led to, I'll, I'll try to be brief, but the story, so after I learned that definition of, um, you know, prejudice plus power, and I'd gone to my racism retreat, came back to school, um, a few you're all, weeks later, you're all up at this point. You are. I, I was. You got it going on. You're, just, <laughs> you, you, you're ready. You're ready I to was, conquer the world. Yeah. As woke as you could be in, what time was that? <laughs> 97 or 8. Um, 
But so we were going, a friend and I were coming back to campus late at night from a Mexican restaurant. Um, it was pretty, it was late, it was dark. Uh, he was pretty drunk. I was a little drunk. He was very small. Uh, and we were, uh, we turned down this road and at the other end of the road, there's a large black guy coming towards us and he says, I'm gonna fuck you up. And I kept, my brain was like, maybe he didn't say that. Like we kept walking towards him. That's the crazy thing. Right. Um, you know, normally you see someone, you just have a gut reaction of like, oh, and it's late at night and this, and this person said, but, but, uh, but I had just been through this training and literally Carter, my brain was doing this little tape of like, well, why do you want to go the other way? Is it really because you think this is dangerous or is it because you think he's black or were you because you, but what if he didn't say that and you turned to go the other way and you offend him? And I know. And by this time we're still walking toward it. And by this time we've met up and he says again, I'm so gonna, wait, while you, while you're deciding whether or not you're, you're, you need to run because of racism. Still walking like, towards him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you're you're doing the you're doing the SGW guilt you're running the guilt loop in your head while you're walking towards the guy. I mean, I mean there's no yeah. So we so yeah we we meet up and he's like I'm gonna fuck you up. He says it again. I'm sorry. Can I swear on this program? You know I did. I wasn't before, but I've been swearing. So I you know. Okay. I okay. I didn't even think about it. But yeah. So no, then he, cool. he he just <laughs> he asked us for all of our money. I didn't have any money. My friend gave him some money. He was clearly well, he was asked, right? He, like, well, he, he said wasn't he was like, going to shoot us. No, yeah, he said, "Give us, give me all your money. I'm going to shoot you." And he stuck his hand. He was wearing sweatpants, and he stuck his hand in his pants, like he had a gun, like like as if that's where his gun was. And uh, he, my friend, gave him money. I didn't have any. I had an ATM card. He was like, "We're going to go to the ATM." Um, he asked for our car keys. I. I actually did. I I said you should have picked someone better dressed because I, I was like I have a bicycle. He was very upset that I only had a bicycle. Um, but we started walking back to the main street, and the whole way there, I was like just thinking maybe I could die tonight. Um, and I had grown up around guns, but I I wasn't really at that time. I didn't shoot as much as I do now, and uh, I did I didn't know like how the signs of like how to tell if there's really if he's packing a gun there or not. But he kept reaching on the walk. He would reach like threatened to shoot us again based on what we were saying. And I was trying to talk to him because I was trying to humanize us a little bit. And um, he was out of it, like he was on something. And, uh, but, but at one point he said, uh, if I shoot you tonight, do you think you're gonna go to heaven or hell? And it just, I was felt like I was in a mood. I was just, everything slowed down. I was like, I don't know. Actually, I answered him honestly. I was like, I don't know. Um, and then another, he said, um, I like the way you look, which was the first, time I thought about, I hadn't even considered rape. I just thought, oh, well, maybe we'll die. Um, but the really, this is the the darkly funny thing to me now is that while we were walking, he he did, he kept saying stuff about like, you students, you college students, or you white people, you know, you, you hate me or you hate us or, and I, I, I was like, but I just came back from a dismantling racism conference. <laughs> 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 I mean, I really was like trying to talk to, but I really was trying, I was like, yeah, like I get the society, you know, uh, anyway. Yeah. Rape me and kill me. I'm totally, I'm horrible. <laughs> I was, I get but I really was like, no, I don't hate you. I do. I don't like the fact that you're threatening to kill me. Um, <laughs> and then we ended up like, we got to the, we got on the main street, um, we got near the ATM, like a block from the ATM and a cop car was coming by. Now we were on the main camp road by campus at this point. And the cop, and he, he looked down, he was like, you keep walking. And if you, either of you run, I'm going to shoot you. And my friend was holding my hand. He like, 
didn't give me any warning, like squeezed it and went, ran. <laughs> I was like, yeah, are we running? So, and then like looked at him for a second and he looked at me and they, um, I took off running the other way. And then the, the all these cop cars came, campus police, everything. And they, um, well, the end of that story was they, they pulled, they, they got him on the ground. They, he didn't have any underwear on. Um, they pulled his pants, but he also didn't have a gun. And then the cops spent, one of the cops just berated us, like, you students, you know, stop giving these people money. And, you know, it's it sort of like, it's, I don't know. I didn't know if it, I, if I disliked the cop more than I disliked him. It was like, it was a weird night. And then and then the cop was at, taking my statement and he, and he asked for my address and the guy was down there on the ground right below me. And I looked at him and the cop's like, he's not listening. So I was like, so I gave him my address. And then the guy looks up at me and he says, now I know. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> now he knows my address. Like, what an asshole cop! The, the cop, yeah, the cop should have taken me away from there. But yeah, sure, it, yeah, it was it was a weird write up in the paper and whatever. It's just it was a weird moment. But here, looking back on it, um, it was just always like this surreal thing that happened. But uh, looking back on it, yeah, I didn't I didn't trust my gut. You know, like I just I I allowed this internal this programming that I had just gone through to start interfering with your survival instincts. Uh, which is like this a threatening person coming down the street saying they're gonna f you up, um, and it's the yeah. middle of the night and like this neighborhood isn't you know what I mean like that's you shouldn't feel shame yeah. for being like yeah I'm gonna go this other way. Um, yeah, there's a good book you should read called uh, The Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker, uh, which will uh, anyone actually should read. It's about uh, specifically about dealing with situations like that mm -hmm. um, and trusting your gut and. Uh, yeah, getting over the, the 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 worry of looking like you're being a jerk or racist or mean or rude or just you know trusting your gut. So I don't care about any we, stuff anymore. I just I mean I'll just say this to people like as long as you're not intending to be, you know your intent. As long as you're not intending to be offensive, you know don't let what these people tell you about what is possibly offensive to people get in your head and cause you to treat people differently. You know, that right. woman in that example I gave, she's robbing herself of a potential friendship with this new woman, uh, A, because she can't help but see her as possible black woman friend instead of just a new possible person. friend. Yeah, yes. instead of just a person. And and B, because she's limiting what she, how she treats that woman. She's changing how she treats that woman and behaves with that woman. Um, so that's that would be my final note about that. Yeah, no, in fact, I, I've, I've, uh, I've heard uh, black people talk about this. Um, I don't. I, you don't hear it a lot, but I've I've heard them talk about the how annoying it is to be treated specially by <laughs> white people. Like, you know, like I'm I'm just a person. Can we just, like have a conversation? It's condescending. I, um, it's, but, it's when men treat me like it's just condescending. You know, I had a guy is. apologize to me for mansplaining once. I'm like, you, uh, I what like. <laughs> talking to me <laughs> <laughs> right so i know we i know we're over but i, I still want to yeah. cover one thing and i think it's okay. worth it because we it it fits it's the it's how we i think we can i feel like we have a responsibility to cover it and it won't take long you asked so so okay in your in your rant uh from yesteryear <laughs> you wrote i'm supposed to be offering my ideas on what white people can do to end racism I think we should answer that question uh, for not just white people, but all people. Um, 
And given this perverted definition of, of racism from the SJWs, um, what do you think, uh, what do you think people can do to combat racism? Uh, I'm going to say something that goes, it runs counter to everything they preach, but it's absolute, but I believe it to be absolutely true, which is to treat people as individuals, mm -hmm. not as a member of a group to don't make, I mean, you're always, we're always going to make quick judgments and assumptions and stereotypes about people. That's part of being a human and trying to, you know, gauge a room as you walk into it. Um, but don't allow like someone's immutable, like identity characteristics, whether they're race or sex, or don't allow that to change your behavior towards them so that you're treating them differently because, because you're, you're creating the very situation that you're trying to avoid. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Uh, that one I like. Um, what about if you're kind of being confronted with this definition of racism and you, uh, you know, you don't, I don't know. How do you respond to this? How do you kind of inoculate yourself against uh, this kind of indoctrination? Um, well, there's probably people, I, I doubt there are people who are listening who, maybe there are some people listening who... Uh, well, there, they, people can listen to reruns and yeah. someday this will be an enormous famous show. And so, uh, <laughs> well, so if you're somebody who's already bought into this definition, like you've bought into it and you, you're hating everything I'm saying, I guess I would just ask you to, to think about think about that example, that story of that woman who's like keeping herself from potentially making a friend and at the same time bemoaning why she, why she can't seem to make friends, you know, a, a diverse group of friends. Um, and, and ask yourself if, if she's not in a way creating that situation herself by viewing the world in this way. Um, and then, and then I would ask people, I mean, I mean, think about power. I mean, do you really not have, power in your life at all because of these boxes that you check off and and does that make you feel like a i mean i think i think a lot of the ideology it encourages people to wallow in victimhood um yep. and to feel like they're constantly being oppressed it's like uh choosing to live in resentment and blaming other people and blaming the world and um instead of instead of focusing on what you can fix that's in your life you know, right. and what you can do that's in your life. And so, um, so yeah, I would start to look at like, where do you have power in your life to make changes, even little changes, you know, like, why are you so uh, focused on these big abstract things that, you know, I've got to change the world. Why not just fix things that you have a grasp on? Right now? Make your bed as Jordan Peterson, as Jordan Peterson says, make your bed. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm cribbing him, but I think he gives a lot of great advice. Like, Focus yeah. on what you actually have control over. I mean, it's that Eckhart Tolle idea too that I talked about in the last video. Of like, um, don't don't just complain. You know, either leave a situation, or or try and change it, um, or just accept that's the way it is, and, and quit yeah. moaning about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very disempowering, and and I would I would say like think about how do you uh, do you want to live in a world where everyone's focused on who has power over what. Um, or do you want to live in a world where we're just all kind of like we're all equal and we're voluntarily interacting with other individuals and we treat people like individuals? Like that seems like a much better world than people uh, struggling to have the the ring of power and fighting with each other over how to wield power. Um, 
And the other thing that I think we talked about that I didn't hear mentioned, but I'll, so I'll say it is, uh, refuse unearned guilt. You are only guilty for actions that you took, uh, volitionally. If you did something intentionally, mm -hmm. then you're guilty of it, but you're not guilty for anything else. So unearned guilt is, uh, you're probably your biggest enemy. And they will prey on unearned guilt. They'll try and make you feel guilty for where you were born or the color of your skin or who your parents are or what college you went to or the job you have or some any other, quote, advantage or anything or the success. Maybe you worked your ass off and you've gotten some success. Mm -hmm. Don't feel guilty about it. Um, you, you, there's uh, unearned guilt is a vile, horrible thing, and it's, it's, it will destroy you. Um, and that's how they get into you. Hmm? Plus, there's probably a lot of things that you have done that you need to feel guilty about that you right, don't. There's plenty of things to feel guilty about. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just the things that you did, right? Right. Not like you didn't do. Because right. this whole this whole thing, it's like a, it's that virtue signaling thing. It's like, well, I may be in my real life, I may be, you know, treating people horribly and behaving in terrible ways and lying right. or doing whatever, but but I believe that there. Yeah, I believe in white privilege that I have privilege. That doesn't make you a good person believing that you have white privilege. Like, what what are you doing in your daily life that you actually should be uh, claiming responsibility for and changing? Yep. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's countless examples, on a, and I don't want to just pick on the SJWs, but there are there are countless examples, examples of people who uh, are horrible individuals um, and should feel guilty about how they treat people generally. Mm. Um, but don't. Instead, they feel guilty about... Uh, being white and so they you know they put it all in that other thing that they can't mm -hmm. even actually change right <laughs> it prevents yeah. them from having to actually change though which is yeah. circling back to our psychology discussion earlier so yeah all right well awesome we we went over but it was a great show so who cares that we went over uh i enjoyed it thank you carrie um Carter? we didn't everyone. even get peggy mcintosh and her invisible knapsack we'll talk about that another time Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yes, we should do that. Uh, maybe next week. So you can join us every week at the same time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Thursdays. Carrie and I will be, uh, as she puts it, uh, untangling the SJW ideology one episode at a time. So uh, you can subscribe on YouTube, which is where you're watching this now, if you're watching. Uh, if you're listening, you can go to unsafeshow.com or unsafeshow on Twitter. And... Uh, like, subscribe, follow, do all that kind of stuff. Carrie, any shout outs you want to make? You can follow Carrie. I don't remember your Twitter handle, but you can say it now. What is it? Uh, it's KSE Mama Jamma. And you can also, Mama Jamma. Uh, so the civility dinners that uh, I host, we finally have a website. The, well, we have a landing page, but you can go to the landing page and you can enter your email to get more info. But uh, it's a, basically dinners where we come together with people who maybe disagree with us on lots of things and we have dinner and we have civil discussions and it's a lot of fun. So um, awesome. go to it's uh, civilitydinners.com if you want to sign up. Cool. All right. Thanks again, everyone. Um, and until next week, uh, take care. Take care. Bye. Carter. Bye.